Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. You know, a lot of times people say, you know what? I could sell ice to an Eskimo. Well, that's unethical. Eskimos don't need ice, right? Yeah. What you need to do is look at the marketplace, understand where the need is, and whether or not your product is going to be able to service. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. My next guest is John Scipio. He's a commerce and business development executive. He's a marketing expert with demonstrated success in driving revenue growth and profits for one of the world's most iconic consumer brands in Nike. He spent 25 years at Nike before branching out on his own, and he has his own consulting agency. Um, But John is just a good dude. And every time I'm around him, I learn something, whether it's something about business, something about leadership. I mean, he's always dropping these golden nuggets. So I'm excited for you to, to have a listen to our conversation and make sure you take notes because he drops bombs this whole uh, episode. So um, have a listen. Kind of tell me, man, your, your path, like where you started at, let's say like outside of or, or after, after high school, like what did you, what did you want to do? What did you, what was your path? I mean, did you have a clue? Like, cause when I was, when I was, in high school, I didn't know. I thought I was going in the army. I thought I was going to be right, just right. like my dad, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. 
So I'm interested, I'm interested to hear about, about your journey. So my journey is pretty interesting in so much as take into consideration, I graduated from high school in 85, right? So when I graduated in 85, it was during that time, 85 through kind of like 87. When I got to college, I originally went to South Carolina State College. I was, um, you know, playing football. And I always had an interest in business. By that, I mean, you remember Robin Leach, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Of course. Come on now. Right? Yeah. Dude, I used to watch. If it came on three times a day, I watched it all three times. Okay. And so I was interested in that. I was interested in the business side. So I decided I was going to go into um, general business administration. So that's where I started my degree. After being at South Carolina State playing football, received a knee injury, ended up having to go into rehab, um, tried to go in the NFL. Hey, didn't make that. So I ended up having to go back to school. So when I went back to school, it was during the time, I think this was like 87, 88. And that was during the time that uh, Ivan Boski and Michael Milken. So this was back in the day when they were selling junk bonds. So this was during the, during the time when that huge scandal took place. And I saw Ivan Boski go in and he had made so much money that he had an $875 million fine that was waged against him by the SEC and he wasn't broke. Mm. And I go, okay, so finance might be the way to go, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so I changed my major to finance. But I also had, you know, at this time I had left South Carolina State and I was at University of Memphis. Then it was known as Memphis State University. And so there was a huge, like, music scene going on. You know, Bill Street, the blues, Stax Records you know, um, Elvis Presley. So there was a lot of music going on in Memphis. So what I tried to figure out is how would I be able to kind of blend the two? I love music, love the business side. So my original thought was that in addition to a financial component, I wanted to incorporate kind of that entertainment music component. So my plan, was that I was going to go to law school because I always was interested in law. And I was going to go to law school, get my law degree, become an entertainment attorney. Right? Mm -hmm. So fast forward, I get through undergraduate. I put in my my, uh, application, take the LSAT to, to get admitted into law school, get accepted, But I was like, okay, I want to take a break because, you know, you go through school so long. I'm like, I don't want to jump right back into school. And it was during that lull. I was working at Northwest Airlines at the time. And it was during that lull that I got a job. uh, Or Northwest actually furloughed us. So it was during the time of the downturn in the transportation industry. I got furloughed from Northwest and I was like, oh, I need a gig. And I ended up getting a gig at Nike customer service. Mm. So I started in Nike customer service. 
the team division working 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Doing, and that's like 91, 92. Um, during that time, that's when they were launching their apparel division, right? Mm -hmm. So the apparel distribution center was also in Memphis. So you have footwear on Shelby Drive. I mean, footwear was on Winchester. The apparel distribution was on Shelby Drive. So I worked 10 to 7 in customer service. They didn't have enough people on the apparel distribution side. So I would then go across town to Shelby Drive and load trucks. Mm. So there'd be 36 hours that I'd never leave Nike. We sleep in the back of the 18 wheelers, shower up there because they had a gym. And then the next day I'd be back at Nike, uh, back in my customer service role, doing customer service. Mm. So what was going to be this whole, hey, I'm going to school, I'm going to become an attorney. I get into Nike and it was like riding a rocket. You know, this, like I said, it's 91, 92. Mm-hmm. So this is like the height of what we're seeing now, right? So when we look yeah. at the last dance and all of the stuff that was happening with Jordan, yeah, you know, that was the beginning of all of that. Thank so you. yeah, so it was amazing. It was a, it was an amazing ride and I loved every minute of it. And so much so I started to get mentors, people who believed in me and, and could see my work ethic and started to say, hey what you're doing now doesn't necessarily dictate where you can go in this organization. So they became my champions and they helped me get to each and every next level. So I, it started out with Barbara Knight. Barbara Knight was head of HR at Nike. Um, she actually brought me into the organization. Then it was Lee Griffin. Lee Griffin was my, was my first manager. He was the head of the team division. And he said, hey, come on over. We'd love to have you be a part of our team. Then I left there and it was, you know, Trissy Cotton. Trissy Cotton over in, in the apparel uh, customer service side. Then from there, it became Doug Smith, who was my first sales manager. I became a team sales rep out mm -hmm. of Florida. And from Doug Smith, Rick Winterhalter, he became the person that, championed me on in central and then the list goes on and on on how people saw what i was able to deliver as far as you know my work ethic and help me get to the next level now that's why i want to dive into right there is because of your work ethic that helped open doors for you absolutely so what, what does you know that look what, like? Like, what is that? Well, you know, you talk about about, work ethic, like. well, you know, you know, in, in sports, it's not about me, it's we. Right? It's like mm -hmm. doing that, that thing that, hey, while this is not my job, this is the job that needs to be done. So what I was able to do is not look at my present circumstance and look at, hey, what what is my my job description but look across and say okay what needs to be done 
And if I'm able to do it, I thought, one, it helps the team. But two, it gets me an experience that I might not necessarily have. Mm. Right? So I'm able to look at, hey, I, this isn't what I do. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing on a day-to-day basis. But what I am doing is looking at the opportunity to take this and increase my overall um, knowledge base and also deliver a much needed function for the organization. Absolutely. And the byproduct, right? You, I mean, I don't know if you even thought of it, but it's like, man, if something that, you know, when I hear you, it's like, man, I remember, like for me, when I played football, how do I make myself, how do I give myself more value? Right? Correct. Totally. How do you give yourself more value? Knowledge, right? Yeah. Knowledge, how you, how you communicate. And that's one of why I want to kind of start to kind of touch on because in sales, man, sales is, um, so you've been doing sales for, I mean, how long? How long you been doing sales? I think probably 26, 27 years. 26, 27 years. Yeah. So what makes a good salesperson or sales, yeah, a, a, a people, a person who sells things? What is the, what makes a good one? I think salespeople are problem solvers. You know, a lot of times people say, you know what? I could sell ice to an Eskimo. Well, that's unethical. Eskimos don't need ice, right? Yeah. What you need to do is look at the marketplace, understand where the need is, and whether or not your product is going to be able to service that need. Now, in order to do that, you have to be, so anybody who's going through any kind of sales training, people, or definitions thereof, but it all culminates in being able to listen. Listen to your customer, listen to your, not just your customer, your potential customer, understand where, what their needs are and be able to tell them how your product and or service can you know, satisfy those needs. So I think a salesperson is, is more like a consultant. It's not about the hard sale. It's not about, hey, buy now or this is going away. That's not what this is about. Because if you do that, that's being transactional. You'll get that maybe that one sale, but you won't get, you know, build a relationship where people are going to look at you as the problem solver for their business and continue to come back to you. And I, what I value is that when I was with Nike, I was able to build relationships where it wasn't just about our product. It was definitely about our product. And I think we had the best product in the industry, no question. And I felt good about that. And because I felt good about that, I was able to go out and deliver compelling messages to the marketplace and to the, to the customer. But it was also understanding that at the end of the day, business is done with people. Respecting understanding what drives people that's what makes you a great salesperson 
and what I'm hearing, man, is, is those, I mean, I'm hearing principles. That's what I'm, you know, trying to get down to is I'm hearing principles of uh, relationships, right? The knowledge. Totally. And it's like, man, that's the same. So you're trying to influence people, right? You're trying to yeah. influence people. And so automatically with, with my understanding of, of what leadership is, leadership is nothing but influence. So it's like, okay, how do I influence people? Because you're trying to lead them to, you know, to, to purchase whatever you're selling. And not just for that one time, like you, you know, like you're talking about, but to do it like continuously, like, man, that's the guy sure. who I want to be able to buy from. So, I mean, I know you and I, you know, I know, I understand, I mean, the type of character that you have. So it's, it's, um, you know, I'm biased, but I just want to like, man, what is that, that, that one thing that, that makes people or makes you a good leader or makes people good leaders? Well, you know, one of the things is that, and obviously we know each other. So as a result, you know, I'm the son of a pastor. So my dad pastored for 60 years. The greatest leadership advice I ever got was from my father. And it was very simple. He said, John, people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so from a leadership and influence standpoint, if people think you don't care, it's hard to influence. Think about the people in your life that have had the greatest influence over your life. It's because they cared about you, Alex, as a person, not just Alex is a football player, or Alex is, you know, a father, whatever kind of lane that they might put you in. What enables you to have your greatest level of influence is truly caring about the person that you're trying to influence or that you're trying to have influence with. At the end of the day, if, if somebody comes to you and they, you feel as though they're not genuine, they're not authentic, it'll be very hard for them to influence you because you always think that there's some ulterior motive. Mm -hmm. Only if you know that they're genuine, they're authentic, they care about who you are as a person, that's what brings those walls down to the point that you allow yourself to be influenced or allow yourself to take in the information that they're given. So I think from a leadership perspective, we've got to always keep people at the forefront. Understanding who they are and meet people where they are. You've got to understand who people are and what influences them and what's their motivation. Because if you don't know any of that, it's, it's very difficult to influence. There's no cookie cutter method that says, hey, this always works. Because, I mean, we're a, a world full of individuals. What might be important to me might not be important to you. So understanding each and every person that you're trying to influence, particularly if you're building a team, is vitally important. Mm. And so, you know, talking about teams, because, you, you know, you, you did, 
so many, so many things within Nike and, and outside of Nike. And I want to get to that, but in terms of like the teams that you were ahead of, or that you was in charge of at Nike, what were some of the attributes that you look for? Let's say for like a young, a young person um, fresh out of college, what were like some of the things like in one conversation that you would look or listen and be like, that's the person that I don't want to have on my team. Or maybe that's the person I do want. What is like, like that one yeah. from a first well, you know, the thing, first interaction? Well, the thing that I, I kind of look for is somebody who isn't so caught up in their education. By that, I mean, hey, I have this degree now. So my expectation is that you start me off at six figures and I have this big role. Well, you don't really know enough about our business. And you also might not have a lot of the skill sets. So for me, one of the things that was very important in choosing somebody to bring on the team the one thing, humility. Mm. I don't know, I might not know all of this stuff, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to do whatever's necessary and, you know, kind of soak in all of this information. You know, at Nike, as you're familiar with, they have all of these, you know, directives and things that they, they kind of look to that really focus their all overall being. And one of those things is be a sponge. So how are you being a sponge and taking in all of this information? So someone who came in and was arrogant and might not necessarily be coachable, that was always a red flag. Someone who is able to say, I, there's a lot I don't know, be very humble, and come in and say, I want to be taught. Then you, that's somebody that you can work with. And that's also somebody that will be able to take, hopefully, your organization to the next level. Because what the hope is, is that they come in, learn what you know, and then take it someplace else, as opposed to just regurgitating the same information and not doing anything different. Mm. So whenever I would talk to, you know, be it people fresh out of college or I would go into high schools and talk to high school students as they're starting to try to determine what they want to major in when they go to college. And I would always tell them if it's not this business, regardless of the business that you're going into you've got to be a sponge you've got to take in all of this information but then what's going to make you valuable to organizations is taking that and taking it someplace else mm. so i think that's vitally important that's golden okay so everything is all rosy and whatnot <laughs> tell me a time when you were, I don't care what, what job or, or industry, when, man, stuff went awry, you didn't see it coming, 
It's a fastball, high and tight. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly enough, so around the 2008, 2009 time period with the downturn in the economy, it was, everybody experienced it, right? Mm -hmm. I was based in Atlanta. I was over the Southeastern Territory. And during that time, as a brand, still working with Nike, as a brand, we lost 50% of our overall doors in that territory. You know, customers who weren't able to make uh, payments for their product and things just kind of went south. And it was one of the first times that I experienced, so take into consideration when I joined the brand, like I said, 91, 92, it was like being on a rocket ship. Every year was record growth and things were happening. But when we got to the 2008, 2009 downturn in the economy, things went just crazy south. And up until that point, that was something from a business perspective I'd never experienced. So then you have to go into not only how do you save the business, but how do you keep morale up? Now, this was keeping morale up during the time where you, there was a, a rift or a reduction in force across the organization. So while I'm trying to keep morale up as far as the team is concerned, there were members of the team that unfortunately we had to part ways with. So that was probably one of the toughest times from a leadership perspective. But what I had to do is kind of come back, galvanize the team that we had and say, hey, while it's not ideal, we've got to find a way beyond this. Going back to what I talked about as far as understanding people, understanding relationships, um, probably has never been and will never be a tougher time as when I had to sit on the phone and talk to people who had done nothing wrong as far as their performance. But based on where they sat, their particular role was being eliminated. And so nothing prepares you for that. Because these aren't just, you know, numbers. These are people that I knew. These are people who I might have known their families. I, I knew what impact this was going to have on them. So it was gut-wrenching. And I don't know of any, any sort of uh, organizational, you know, learning that gives you the tools you need to get through that. But what did help me is that as I was having these conversations, the people on the other side of the phone that we were telling that we were no longer going to be able to continue with their employment, they were saying things like, you know what, Sip? Hey, I get it. I'm glad you on the phone to tell me. I'm glad that, you know, is it ideal? No. Do I want to continue to be with the organization? Absolutely. But I'm glad you're able to tell me. And while that meant the world to me, because 
it let me know that the relationships that we built both internally and externally weren't superficial. They understood that I really cared about them and their families. Um, but yeah, that was, that was literally the toughest time. Now, fast forward in losing 50% of our overall doors, we were able to grow our overall business by 15% because of those doors that actually left the marketplace, we were able to reallocate product and grow the doors that remained. Uh, so mm. from business side, it worked out, but personally, I don't know that I've ever had a much, uh, you know, a, a more gut wrenching experience. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's when I hear that, I think of like, man, when was the time when I got let go, you know, when right? I got cut, I just, I, I always, I just thought about me. I didn't think about yeah. like on the other side, like them having to go, especially like somebody who I had a relationship with. And that's why it, it doesn't work like that in the, in, in professional sports. They have one guy who's typically the equipment guy. <laughs> he's the, right. he's the grim reaper. He's the grim reaper. Right. right. <laughs> and it's not somebody that you have a relationship with. And, you know, I think I would have, um, it, it would have felt a little bit better when I got cut to hear it from like my coach instead of he, yeah. he passing it on to, to somebody else. Well, I, and one of the, that's a great point to make because truth be told, I was given the opportunity not to be on the phone. I, I didn't necessarily have to be on the phone. Mm. You know, HR could have handled it. Yeah. They had a process in place that goes, hey, we're going to have this. This is it's going to happen this date. Do you want to be a part of it? So if I had removed myself from that, I could have. Mm -hmm. But I felt such an obligation because, you know, this is your team. Yeah. These yeah. are the people who you decided to ride with and, and you're leading. And if I'm not on the phone and they're getting it from somebody else, I just, I did that. I would have never been able to sleep at night yeah. knowing that. Yeah. See, that's, I mean, that, that just shows something though about your character. I mean, that that's who you are. Right. There's many people that could have took that, you know, could have took the easy way, and yeah. not, yeah, not just just kind of remove themselves from that. But but you hung in there, and that's that's that says something about your character. So. Well, I appreciate that, and yeah. I and I hope, and still to this day, the the interesting fact is that many of those people that were let go during that 2008 2009 riff, um, I still talk to. You know, mm -hmm. or if I don't talk to them, you know, we might be Instagram and or Facebook friends. And so you can have some sort of connection point there. Yeah. And the hope is that they understand that. Hey, if, if it could have been different, it would have been. Yeah. But yeah, the nature of the business dictated our direction. Yeah. Um, so what you got going on now? What's um. What is big John Scipio up to now? 
Because I, you know, I know you had left, you, you know, went, you know, once, uh, you know, your Nike days were over, you went, you know, you went to other places. Yeah. So I ended up going to and one uh, sequential brands out of New York and um, worked there for about a year and eight months. And we actually severed ways in November, early December of 19. So since then, I, uh, I've been kind of, you know, figuring out the, the next step. What the next step has been is I've started a, uh, a consulting firm, okay. uh, Aerial Consulting, and taking all of the insights that I've been able to acquire over the course of my career about brands and building brands, both from you know, not just distribution, but sales and uh, operations, manufacturing, and giving that insight to these young upstart brands and trying to figure out how to take them to the next level. And it's not just brands that are inside of the, you know, sports and fitness space or apparel and footwear, uh, working with uh, medical brands, uh, working with a, a uh, a tea or beverage brand out of North Carolina called Carolina culture. So yeah, we're doing, doing different things that it's intriguing and it's fun. And it's, mm -hmm. it's about being on the ground level of people who are passionate about what they do mm -hmm. and might just need a little bit of guidance and or insight to take them to that next level. So hopefully over the course of my career, I've been able to develop a knowledge base that they can tap into that will then help them achieve what they need to achieve. So mm. it's, it's been fun. It's been um, exhausting <laughs> at times because, you know, it's different working with Nike where you had a team of people, right? So you had, you're fully resourced. Um, now going to a situation where you might have not might but definitely have less resources but it gives you visibility and access to a lot of different things so mm. i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it i'm 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 looking to to do more you mm. know figure out how i can uh use my experience to help mm. i'm thinking i think one of the things coming out of this situation we're in right now, this pandemic. Mm -hmm. we And I said it earlier today, or earlier in this interview, it's not about me, it's about we. That's where we need to get to. How are we helping each other get to the next level? How are we helping each other to further our initiatives? There's a ton of information. What you're doing here within this podcast is fantastic because it allows people to get insight and glean learning from different people across industry, across different, you know, levels of uh, success and tap into that. And that's the thing. So I commend you for doing this and I commend not just what you're doing, but who you are. The fact that this was important enough to you to make sure that this is something that you wanted to bring to the public, that's fantastic. Because that's that's what we need. 
That's what we need in society today. Selfless acts. Yeah. People who are looking beyond themselves. Yep. Looking to serve, you know, absolutely looking to to serve. And, you know, I've, 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 I've said this before, but I, I love being inspired. Like I wake up every morning trying to find inspiration. You know, people who have who have achieved great things and have great success. That's what I mean. That's the biggest reason why I created this is to be able to, you know, as you said, it's like, man, how how did they reach that, or what pitfalls should I be aware of? What type of insights that can kind of help shorten the path for people who are looking to to have success in, in whatever arena? So. Oh, totally. Well, you know, Tony Robbins says it all the time. He says success leaves clues. Mm. So we don't have to reinvent this. Yeah. We can look at people who have been successful and mirror that. And I think that's what this allows, right? It, you are giving a platform by which people who have had whatever level of success, the clues that they are able to leave and how, they're, how you're able to, you know, grab those clues and present it to your pub, to your you know listening audience that's the critical piece mm-hmm. so i mean let's not reinvent it yeah think about exactly. the most successful people in the in the world you know they didn't necessarily invent what they were in they just created a better mousetrap there you go i love it you know i love it Okay, so big sip. So this is a time where, just like in football practice back in the day, you remember you used to have blitz. Yeah. You used to have blitz period. So, so we're gonna have blitz period. I'm gonna fire up a couple of questions to you. I want you to just give me some, you know, some quick, some quick answers, quick insights. Okay. Okay. So uh, the first one: What would you tell your 23 year old self? Patience. Be patient. I think a lot of times today, everybody wants things microwave fast. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get knowledge fast. You don't get wisdom fast. That's why people say wisdom is wasted. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. We need we need we need to be a little more patient. Don't try to try to make things happen. Microwave fashion. Because things that come quick don't always last. All right, what's the uh, what's the what's the best advice you was ever given? You know what? So that's going to be a tough one because I've given I've been given a lot of advice, but I think the best advice that I've been given um, stemmed from my dad. Mm. You know, my dad used to, uh, I said earlier, you know, people don't, won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That was one great nugget he dropped on me. But what he also said is, know thyself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's one of the things that has always stuck with me is that I think it was Martin Luther King that said people who don't know themselves, uh, you, you know, don't have a sense of self will fall for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been very focused around making sure that I understood who I was 
Mm. and whose I was. Mm. And by that, I mean, you know, I'm a man of faith. Mm -hmm. So that's guided me in a lot of my decision making. Um, so yeah, my best, that's, that's some of the best advice that I've been given. Know, know thyself, mm. know who you are, know, know the things that motivate you, know the things that are important to you and not waver from that. Mm. Love it. All right. What, what makes a good leader? Interestingly enough, I think what we talked about earlier, uh, a good leader is understanding who you're leading, understanding the people that you're leading, being able to be accessible, being able to, you know, not have a cookie cutter method to leadership. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that, oh, I lead like this and everybody else needs to conform to it. But teams are made up of different personalities, um, different people. So being able to understand people, being able to meet them at where they are, understanding deficiencies and being able to coach them I think that makes a great leader. And another thing is having a clear vision for where you want the organization to go mm -hmm. and being able to effectively communicate that. That's key. People don't want to follow somebody who doesn't have a vision. You don't know where you want to go. How are you going to lead somebody? <laughs> so being able to have a clear vision to effectively articulate and communicate that is critical in the great leadership. Mm. That's good stuff. Well, John, man, hey, I want to thank you very much for being my guest on the Shark Effect. Um, you are definitely a shark. And, uh, man, I commend you for, you know, for all the successes. And I know with those successes, there's been some failures in there as well. And, totally. but, but, but understand, like, man, that's, that's where instead of people running away from their failures, it's like owning them and learning from them. And that's how you get better. You know, it's totally. okay to, to fail. You know, if, if you, Michael Jordan has failed, mm -hmm. right? He is absolutely a lot. And it doesn't matter whatever industry or whatever thing that you do, failure will teach you things. You just gotta be, you just gotta put your ego aside and be able to, to look at it and then dig and say, okay, that was the issue what caused me to fail. I'm going to look out for that next time. So let me ask you this. So one of the things I would also think is that it's about failing fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and being able to get the failure behind you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would, I would estimate that based upon your experience and the things, and, and I've heard some of your story. When you, when you look at failure, failure is actually an opportunity to learn. Absolutely. So how do you fail fast and move beyond it? That's the critical piece. Mm -hmm. So for you and, 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 and people who have had the, that level of success, you and I both know what you've been able to experience and, and have as an NFL career, many will never know. But what got you there 
is the mentality of failure doesn't mean it's the end and it doesn't define you. That's, that's, that's what I was just about to say. It doesn't, def- it can't define you. You got to look at it. Okay. I did it because of that. That was, oh, that was the reason why I failed. Right. And then move on. Instead of looking at him, it's like, oh, I suck. I'm not good enough. <laughs> I, I, I should, I should stop playing. I should quit. You know, you no. got to put your ego away and look at it and, and grow from it. So, yeah. Completely, completely. So that's the thing, regardless if you're on the field of play, in the boardroom, that's the same mentality. You can't let failure define you because what failure in my mind says that you tried something that might have been a little bit over your skis, but you tried it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you never go after those things that are you know, hard, difficult, then you never grow. Hmm. So through those failures, you're able to grow. You're able to get that insight and take it on to what will be your next success. So it's failure is good. That's good. That's good. All right, well, man, thank you so much for being a guest, man. And uh, man, can't wait to link up with you again in the near future, champ. Man, let me tell you, thank you. And again, thank you for what you're doing as far as the shark effect is concerned. I think um, much needed. And the hope is that more people start to tap into what you're doing. Um, very much needed in, in, in uh, the universe today, particularly in the universe that we're living in right now. Yeah, yeah. yes, indeed. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards 
So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.